The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about Marquette and why you should not be mad at the Golden Eagles, why it is only the beginning for the young basketball team. We're going to also chat a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets, why I would not fear them, why we should not overreact to one game against the Philadelphia 76ers, and honestly why I think it might tell us more about Philadelphia. We'll preview a little bit about Bucks Warriors as well, get you ready for that. And then we will talk about the MLB lockout ending and what this means for the Brewers, um, why I wonder about the player option stuff for the Brewers, why I think that could actually impact the Brewers season. I'm a bit concerning. We'll talk about the other stuff too, the playoffs and everything like that, and where do we go from here. So exciting stuff. Oh, and and we have a big show today, and I'm taping this late, so that's not good. But we have um, AMA, Free Talk Friday. Um, I asked you guys for questions. I got a few. Um, there's they, they were good. I got like four responses. So I think that's enough. That's perfect. Um, so we'll, we'll keep doing this. Um, we'll keep doing this. And uh, yeah, look forward to it and excited. Uh, if you didn't get your questions in, I'll try to get them out earlier. Um, now that I got a little bit of a response, I will try to get them out earlier. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely do that for next Friday as well. Um, so yeah, let's dive right in. Let's talk about Marquette. So Marquette Golden Eagles lost today to Creighton. They did not have a great effort in this one. Uh, Marquette was frankly lucky they didn't get the doors blown off them in the first half. They really came out sluggish. Uh, they were down three at halftime. It, it was it was really an accomplishment, and you were hoping maybe they build a little bit of momentum. They didn't. Um, Creighton at one point got up to thirteen. I think it was fifty-one to thirty-eight. And then Marquette started to claw back. Uh, they got down to five. Then Creighton brought it back to ten. Then Marquette got down all the way to two, um, and looked like they were in position to maybe try to take over this game. But Creighton again, you know, hit the big shots when they mattered. And there was frustration, I think, from Marquette fans because what Marquette had at the beginning of February was really special. And I think that everybody sort of maybe got themselves a little bit too excited, me included. I think everyone thought that, you know, maybe Marquette could be a Sweet 16 team. Maybe Marquette could make a run to the Final Four. Steve Lavin fucking said that, which is crazy that Steve Lavin said that. And, and not that I think any of the Marquette faithful were taking Steve Lavin seriously, but I do think that that says that speaks to like where Marquette's ceiling was. And I talked, I think, last week on the show about how we needed to rethink the ceiling and how we needed to just look at it and say, all right, if they lose to DePaul, like St. John's is their first pressure game that they have to win. And they did do that. And it seems like Marquette, when they're put in that environment, they do thrive. And I don't know why Madison Square Garden continues to be an issue for Marquette. They have really struggled in the Big East tournament. They are now three. They this is now the fifteenth time in eighteen years where Marquette has not made it out of Thursday. Marquette has not even sniffed the semifinals. It's embarrassing. It's really depressing. I think it really also takes away from the fan experience. It's really hard for Marquette to sell the Big East tournament to their fans and sell a trip to New York when the team can't fucking win multiple games. Like. That's just bad for business. So Marquette needs to figure that out. Now, I think there could be some argument, not with this game with Creighton, but with others where it's like, well, Marquette has a significant home court disadvantage. But Creighton has, I think Creighton's won this tournament. I think Creighton's got 
you know, far here. So, like, I don't know if that excuse really holds a lot of water. I know Butler's made some runs. I realize that Seton Hall, Connecticut, St. John's, Villanova, those teams are going to have more fans and is going to be a lot more rowdy when you're playing those teams. Providence, I think you could include in that that mix too. But but it still, to me, doesn't matter. Like, it, it still should be, you know, a... It's, it's something that you're better at, right? Like it, it can't just be this bad from our cat. So that I, I get the frustration with that, but the frustration that this season is a sudden disappointment or that this season is like the years in the last few years, I just push back entirely on that. I saw uh, Nick Wagren, Van, Ragren, Van Wagren, say that five times fast. Uh, Nick, who I like, who I follow on Twitter, he follows me. Um, he had said, well, you know, some things never change. You know, Marquette collapsing in February and March, tradition like none other. I kind of paraphrased it, but that's so wrong. Like, that's not it at all. Like, this, what I think really happened, if we want to kind of just bring it all back, Marquette beats Villanova for a second time. That opens up eyeballs in the Big East. They, uh, big, I mean, I think at that point, Marquette was kind of on the radar. All of a sudden, Marquette made a stamp on the radar. All of a sudden, they were like, holy shit, there is Marquette. We have to take Marquette seriously. Marquette developed a little bit of a target on their back where they're like, all right, this is a really good team. We got to bring our best because if we don't bring our best, best we're going to get beat. Uh, and... I, I really do think that that's kind of what happened, what kind of sparked this sort of downward spiral because all of a sudden it's like, okay, Marquette's overachieved by basically catching teams off guard. And now that teams are prepared and teams are ready for what Marquette brings to the table, all of a sudden it goes to shit. Now, is this an indictment of Shaka Smart? Absolutely not. It's more of an indictment of having a young team who might not be ready and a young team that let's be honest, is not that talented. Like, they're talented, so I don't want that to be misconstrued, but it's not like it's fucking Duke, okay? It's not the brotherhood. It's not like we have Paolo Banchero or AJ Griffin who are going to be, like, top 10 picks, all right? Like, we don't have those guys. Like, if Justin Lewis was a top 10 pick and, I don't know, Cam Jones was a top 20 pick, and they were both one-and-done guys, then yes, I would be like, this is a disappointment, and I can't use their youth as an excuse. But it's clear that the Big East kind of wore them down. It's clear that the Big East sort of, you know, beat them up, chewed them out, spit them out. It's not a easy conference, especially with a young team. And that was on full display. And it's kind of what we see with the other teams. Like, look at the teams that are at the top of the Big East or are playing in the Big East semifinals. You have Providence, who is a team of seniors. They're a, a very veteran team. You have UConn, who has a ton of older guys on that team. Villanova, Colin Gillespie's been there since fucking Trump's been president. So, like, you, you have a ton of, ton of experience there. And then Creighton has a couple older guys as well. So, like... I think that it's just one of those conferences that you can't really do it all on talent. You have to be connected as a team. And I think Marquette, while connected, I don't necessarily know if they're fully there to take it to the next level. They're not, I think, they, they're they a little bit away from that. And I think maybe next year they can. And that's, that's where I'm saying, like, don't be mad about this game. Like, you can be upset that they didn't show up, that they kind of no-showed it. Sure, but they didn't get blown out. They fought back a couple of times. They they didn't they didn't get beat by twenty. 
right? Like, if they got beat by 20, they didn't lose to Georgetown, right? Or lose to St. John's. Now they want to play St. John's. But, you know, whatever. They didn't lose to a bad team. They didn't lose to Butler like Xavier. Like, Xavier is this year's Marquette. Or, you know, I thought it was funny. There was no escalators on Twitter. Had, like, the Scooby-Doo gif where, or meme where it's like they pull the hat to reveal. And it's like, oh, actually Xavier's Marquette. And basically it's like Steve Wojciechowski's Marquette team because Travis Steele is just like that. And I cannot I cannot think if Travis Steele is going to keep his job. I don't think so. It'd be wild to me if Travis Steele kept his job. Just given the fact that Xavier is a really proud basketball program and Steele's kind of ran it into the ground. But back to Marquette, I, I really think that the future is super bright for this team. Like you have Justin Lewis that might come back. I think that's a, a big decision for Justin Lewis. I would personally recommend Justin Lewis come back. I, I do understand if NBA scouts are telling him He's going to be a first-round pick, and he should go come out. I get it. I totally understand that. Get that guaranteed money. But if you do not get that assurance that you're going to be a first-round pick, why not come back? You will be potentially a preseason player of the year candidate. You'll definitely be a preseason first-teamer. Um, definitely on everybody's radar and can kind of take over this team and be part of the national spotlight. Cam Jones is only going to grow. I think Cam Jones has a really bright future. Like, I think Cam Jones' future is white hot. I think he is really special. You have David Joplin, who I think you've had in spurts be really good. I think Tyler Kolick will get more confident as the years go on. I really think there is something there with Olivier Max and Prosper. Like, I, I definitely think that Omax can become a player. Like, he, he has the malleability to sort of do a lot of different things out, out on the basketball court. And I, I really do think that there is some talent there. Stevie Mitchell, we haven't mentioned dog. Uh, also, Desert Bear, just he needs to add a little more weight, needs to add a little more beef. And I really think the only thing on the transfer portal wish list is getting a guy who can really shoot, who, I don't know, not who shoots threes. I looked at Joplin. Getting a guy who can really bang down low, that you kind of have that physical brute down low to bang with a lot of the Big East guys. And that can run still, that can be athletic, but that can really sort of bang with the best of them. That's what Marquette needs in that portal. But the season isn't over, right? So I know we're already looking ahead and we're already talking about it, but it's more of a insure, assurance of like, here's where here's where we go. Here's where it goes. This is, not, this is not the end of the world. The sky is not falling. This is not like another Wojo season. Now, if it happens again next season, yeah, we certainly should have a discussion. We certainly have to figure out what's going on. How does this keep happening? What does Marquette need to do to try to change that momentum? I, I definitely think next year, if this happens again, it's a major talking topic. But as I just was noting, um, it's not over. You know, there's a chance that Marquette gets a 10, right? And then they face maybe a Baylor in the second round, Baylor being a zone-heavy team. Maybe Marquette, with the way they can shoot the three, they pull off an upset and they find themselves in the Sweet 16. Who knows, right? We, you never know with the NCAA tournament. It's all about the draw. It all comes down to who, who you have in the first round, who you have in the second round. And I don't think Marquette is in as bad a position as other teams. I don't think Marquette's on the bubble. I think they'd be ludicrous 
to put Marquette on the bubble, I think it would be anti-Big East bias. Like I look at like a team like Ohio State, I think Ohio State should be in real trouble. I look at a team like Michigan and they should not even be on the bubble. They have 14 fucking losses. Like I don't care what the analytics say. Like you have 14 losses on the season. The Big the Big Ten is not the old Big East where they had what 11 teams that one year where Marquette and Syracuse played in the second round. Like that that was that was the hardest fucking conference, and that should actually be like the Rec- Requiem of a Dream Part Two. That was such a talented year. That was some of the best basketball. Really, I think what advanced and you know kind of propelled my college basketball love was those Big East conferences. But that's not what the Big Ten is. So, I, and I'm not even worried about the bubble. I think it, Marquette's okay. Um, but I, I do think that some might make that case. And I, I think that would be absurd. I think Marquette is probably a 10 seed. I would prefer a 10 over a 9 um, just because I think that you get the opportunity to play a 2 who might not be as talented as a 1. But I, I do think none of the 1s are like unbeatable. Maybe Gonzaga um, just in that second round. But I look at Arizona and they're a complete young team. So the question is, is like when the back, when their backs are against the wall in that tournament setting, are, how are they going to feel? I mean, Marquette is also young, so it might just be, might just be these teams don't know any better. Um, I think if Duke somehow gets a one seed, they're beatable. Kansas, to me, Kansas actually looks really good and Kentucky looks really good. Like if I had to say what would be my final game without seeing the bracket and it's just two best teams, I think it's Kansas and Kentucky. That to me is what I, I look at and I say, all right, that's that's the final. That's the tournament final at this point. But, you know, we got a long way to go. And we got a few more days. You know, obviously if Kentucky lays an egg against Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt continues to make a run, who knows, right? I, you never know with this type of shit, man. It, it changes every day. Um, quickly before, because we have a lot of other topics to go on, um, before we go, so we have the, or before we go, before we move on to the other topic, uh, you know, with the Wisconsin Badgers, I'd be remiss not to mention they face off against Michigan State, the longstanding rivalry of these two teams. I think this is now their 11th time meeting in the Big Ten tournament. That is absolutely bananas. Uh, the Badgers will try to advance and kind of guarantee their spot to Milwaukee. I really think that is what Wisconsin is trying to do. I don't think there was concerns about Michigan State on the bubble. I think they've been cured. Um, they nearly choked away their game against Maryland. They were up, and all of a sudden, Maryland had a furious comeback, and the game looked a lot closer than it was. But yes, the Badgers split with Michigan State. You know, for bo- on both sides, it wasn't really close. Now, Michigan State bl- really blew out Wisconsin that first game. They were up thirty-eight to twenty-one in the first half and they really never looked back from there that was their largest lead and that was sort of a domination from the spartans then in game number two you know michigan state never led at home wisconsin won wire to wire now the game ended as an eight point victory for the badgers but it, it never it never was technically close because the badgers you know never gave up the lead they always had the lead they controlled michigan state from the start so it'll be a really, really interesting matchup. You know, obviously Tom Izzo, March, all that shit. But 
you know, it'll really, I think it's going to come down to how the Badgers defend the three point because Michigan State's great from three point. Is They have a 38% from three. The Badgers are second in terms of three point defense. So can Wisconsin stop them from shooting threes? Also, too, how are the Badgers going to do with a new gym and the fact that they have been really bad at shooting threes this year? That is a very interesting part of this. Like, I, think for Wisconsin, they just need to attack early and often. And if they do, that's great. And I I think that Johnny Davis can exploit a lot of things Michigan State does. But yeah, I think that'll be a really good game among the many on Friday night. All right, let's move quickly to talk about the NBA. I just want to talk a little bit about Brooklyn Philly. Just the overreaction, the national media that is going crazy. Um, They're treating it like an NFL game, honestly. Um, it, it's like, oh my God, the six, the Sixers are this, the Nets are that. I think it says more about the Sixers than it does the Nets. Um, I think this is everything that I wondered about when Harden got traded to, to Philly. Harden has not shown up in any big game. I saw Bill Simmons call him small game James. That's absolutely perfect. That's why Bill Simmons has millions upon millions of dollars from Spotify because that that is the genius you get. Um, James Harden continues to melt down in big moments. He continues to not live up to that. And I just wonder how is that fixable? How can Philly just write that ship? It does not seem like a ship that is is worth saving or that could can be saved. And so I just wonder where where does Philadelphia go from here? Because they need to figure that out. And they need to figure out how how do we deliver in these big games? Now, I think they have Milwaukee later this month, but who knows by then if how much people are caring. The Bucks now are well well positioned to have the two seed, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but yeah, the, the Sixers, man, it, it was a really, really disappointing night for them. And no one showed up. You know, Embiid had 27 points, but he made it all from the free throw line. He was 15 and 19 from the line, and he was 5 of 17 from the field. Harden, 3 of 17, uh, with three, all those coming as three point baskets, 11 total points, but just an absolute disaster game for Philadelphia. And the last one between the Nets and the Sixers for the year. So, who knows? Uh, Philly's definitely going to have to answer a lot of questions, and the honeymoon for Harden is likely likely over. And I, I kind of expected the Nets to win this one. I actually had the Nets plus five. I felt pretty good about that. And yeah, it, it came through for me. And if you're looking at when's the next sort of big moment game for Philadelphia, they have Miami at home on Monday, but it's not on prime time. That's two weeks. They have Denver, Jokic versus Embiid on the 14th. But I, again, I don't think, to me, that's like another level. Like they play some good teams. Uh, actually, their schedule's pretty tough. Uh, they play Denver, they play Cleveland, they play Dallas, Toronto. Not to run through their schedule, but they'll have big games. But the Milwaukee one on Tuesday in Philly is going to be kind of the last big, like you're facing a team that's contending for the title besides the Miami one. So they're all at home. We'll see if Philly can live up to it or if they crumble, right? I think that that's where it all comes down to. And can Philly can Philly rise up? And I don't know. And for those who are putting the Nets in the finals after one game, settle the fuck down, all right? Nets had two good games. 
they beat up on the on the Hornets. They beat up on the on the Sixers. Are the Nets a team that you probably don't want to face in the first round? Yeah, they're not going to be fun, right? They have Kyrie. They have Kevin Durant. But I, I will say this about the Nets: they don't have any gar- they don't have any perimeter defense. Their perimeter defense is absolutely garbage. They can they will allow a lot to the lane. I again this this whole Sixers getting just blown out by this team is very surprising. I am not necessarily ready to take the Nets seriously. Um, maybe that's ignorant of me, but I, I really do I really do think that the Bucks can handle their business. I realize they lost last week, but I, I think that the Brooklyn Nets aren't very good. I well I shouldn't say aren't very good. They are just average to above average. They and they're they've put themselves in a really tough position. Um, and the question is, could they potentially make a run here and get up to the sixth seed? I don't think that's unrealistic. I, I know that it's hard to kind of move. It's not like baseball, right, where you can kind of move in and out of seeding pretty quickly. So it is a little difficult. Brooklyn right now is five games back of Cleveland, so they would need they would need a pretty epic run. Could they beat and get Toronto and get the seven? That is possible. I think that's very possible. They could host uh, the Raptors for the playing game. But yeah, so let's let's look at Brooklyn's schedule. Not to bore you guys because this is more local. But it, it does matter with the Bucs. And I'll, I'll finish off with the Bucks part. And then we'll talk a little Bucks Warriors. So let's see. Nets here. The next Nets welcome New York, who's suddenly hot uh, home. So no Kyrie. And then they get Orlando. They play a tanking Portland team. They have to get Utah. So they I mean, they they don't have that difficult. They don't have that difficult of a schedule. There, there's an opportunity there. There's a path where maybe they get hot enough to find themselves into at least the seven. And I think the six would be ambitious. It would take a all-time collapse from Cleveland for that to to happen. But they do have Cleveland. Friday, April 8th, the second to last game of the season at home. So it could be a bigger deal uh, as we get closer. Last thought here. If anyone's saying, oh, the Bucks, we should be scared of the Nets in the first round, don't be. And don't be a Bucks fan. We won a championship. We're the champions. We should act like champions. Whoever wants to bring it, go ahead. Whoever wants to challenge us for the title belt, be our guest. If they look scary, if they look like Bam Bam Bigelow, they look like Kevin Nash, that's fine. We can fucking take it, all right? Like, don't be scared of the fucking Nets. I understand some worries of the Raptors, all right? Like, it's just the old Nick Nurse, Bud, Bud all the rivalry. We've lost to them twice in the playoffs. They're the last demon to kind of cure. But look, man, you're going to face one of those teams at some point. And would it be nice to face Cleveland? Probably. It'd be great to face Cleveland. And if Cleveland's going to be the three, six, do you tank out to get to that three spot? Maybe, but I don't think the Bucks give a fuck. I really don't. I don't think the Bucks care at all. The Bucks beat, went through a gauntlet to get to the NBA Finals and to win the NBA Finals. They beat the Miami Heat. They swept their ass. And then they played an epic seven-game series between the Nets, one of the best series I think that we've had in the last five years. So it's I don't think there's any concern for the Bucks if they have to go back and face the Nets, or if they have to have to deal with have to deal with uh, Toronto and figure out figure that thing out because they can do it. And I, I believe in this team, and you should too. 
Warriors on Saturday is going to be a little interesting. You know, Warriors are kind of figuring it out again after, you know, they had kind of dipped. Um, they've gotten hot. Uh, they had a nice win against the Clippers on Tuesday night where they blew them out. The Clippers have been playing good. And they played Denver on the road and they blew out. And that blew out Denver. It was a close game, but they came, ran away with it at the very end. Um, so that those are two really good wins for that Warriors team, and they're kind of trying to put it together here and get ready right before Draymond. And these games matter as they're trying to battle between who gets the two versus who gets the three. And But the Warriors have no answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo. None. Kevon Looney, best of luck, man. It, Giannis is going to put on a show in that game. I would take... I don't really do NBA props just because I've there's a lot of other stuff to bet on, but... I would hammer any sort of over props for Giannis in terms of rebounds and points. Points and rebounds, if you want to do a triple-double bet, I don't think that's out of the question. I think Giannis is going to have an absolutely monster game, and I think we will come away on Monday talking more about Giannis than we do on Nets Philly. Um, Mostly because that will be the flavor of the day. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of Giannis talk by Monday. All right, let's move on to the lockout. So the lockout is over. It is no longer a thing. We will have baseball on April the 7th. It's great to hear it. It's one week later than what opening day should be. I think we can all be patient. We can all enjoy that. Um, I'm excited. The Brewers are going to be starting at Wrigley Field. I think that's fun. It's a fun way to start the season. Hopefully there's no rain. There's no weather issues. And then they will host the St. Louis Cardinals at home on 414 day for opening day. 414 day being opening day is absolutely absurd. That will be one of the bigger parties in the city of of Milwaukee. You also have it being the day before Good Friday. So I think there'll be a lot of people who have off or maybe there'll be folks that take off just because of the, just the idea of it, right? Like the fun part of it. I think there's a lot lot to like about that, right? There's a lot to be excited about um, with this with this sort of setup. And baseball being back is a great feeling. Uh, the roster still need to kind of even themselves out. A lot of free agents that need to be signed. I think everybody's just relieved that there's not continued bickering between the two sides. And the it sounded like the representatives of the union who weren't the players, did not want the deal, and the players wanted to play. And this was kind of what our good fr- a good friend, a source, told me and said, there's no way they're not going to get 162 in. They, these guys live paycheck to paycheck. They're not the most financially sound you know, t- guys. And so, of course, they were able to get a 162 game in. There'll be double headers at the end of the season, which will be wild that there'll be double headers at Miller Park um, because the Brewers were supposed to host Arizona and San Francisco. So those games will be now made up at the end of the year. Um, we also have a 12, 12 team playoff, which is really interesting. So it'll be the two divisional te- top divisional teams will get buys. And then the last divisional team will be in a four team playoff. Uh, where you will have a best of three series hosted by a team with the best record. So the the third divisional team does get kind of screwed, but I do think every year there's one bad division. There's one division where it's not that great. 
thought what's interesting is there's no game 163. I kind of hate that. Um, I will say that's one. The only thing that I don't like about it. Like, I know there are other people who don't like the DH. Um, some people don't like the fact that they're going to limit the divisional games, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but I, I personally, that's the one I hate because I thought 163 is a lot of fun. Um, winner take all baseball games. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's it, it's just an amazing feeling, and it's just, it's kind of sad to see that go. That they're going to use tiebreaker formulas, but it's how really everybody else does it, right? Basketball is tiebreaker formulas. Football is tiebreaker formulas. Hockey is tiebreaker tie formulas. The only team, the only league that didn't do a tiebreaker was baseball. So to you know admit defeat there, not even defeat, but admit like we need to move on with the times. I get it. So that does suck, uh, but what are you going to do? Universal DH, it'll be interesting to see if the Brewers make a run at Kyle Schwarber. I would love that. I think Kyle Schwarber would probably hit 50 home runs at Miller Park. Like, I'm not lying to you. Like, I think Kyle Schwarber would be the perfect guy to add. Like, he would be a better version of Dan Vogelbach. Now, I think there should be a real conversation whether you bring Dan Vogelbach back. And so we'll go through it. Like, this is the thing now. Now we'll actually have to start talking about the Brewers. And I, I maybe will wait for Mitch. Um, that I think would be a great thing for Mitch and I to kind of go through the Brewer roster a little bit and kind of talk through, you know, what questions do we have at this point, right? Um, because there's a lot. And we're, we're kind of getting into the swing of it again. And so that's... It's a lot of fun. And game reviews, of course, we'll be back. Um, we'll definitely do those. Golden Kegs, I will try my best to keep up. Uh, Golden Kegs is literally the, the toughest thing I have to do. It's a, it's a great segment. I just fucking suck at it. I really do. Because uh, I didn't even do it for Marcotte, which I forgot. Maybe at the very end, I'll, I'll end the podcast with some Golden Kegs for the Golden Eagles. The other cool thing they're doing is they're limiting the divisional games starting next year so it's not this year but next year and every team will play everybody so that means that the brewers will play seattle that means the brewers will play kansas city who they never seem to be able to beat just as an aside uh the brewers and white Sox will kind of renew their fan rivalry right every year that they're playing against each other um we already play the twins every year um you know the brewers will play the new york yankees so there's exposure there and i i think that really helps baseball because there will be so many more premier matchups and there are so many made for primetime matchups. Like that's good for baseball. If you guys listen to me on Tabby and the Keg, one of the things I bitched about and you see this often is like every time the Phillies and the Mets play, it's on Fox on Friday, MLB Network Saturday and ESPN Sunday. And that's terrible. Like that's terrible for the product. But now when you have matchups such as Red Sox-Cubs, where it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to want to cover that. And then you have you have Yankees-Cubs. That's a big deal. Um, you have Yankees-Dodgers. Like, that's a massive game. Red Sox-Dodgers. Like, and I know you're like, wow, me, big, what are you, national media Murph? But no, like, those matter. You know, Philly... Philly and the Red Sox, Philly and the Yankees, like those are those are big deals, guys. Like those those matter to the casual baseball fan, and now you get those all the time. That makes it so much more alluring and appealing, and that's good. And you're like, well, it takes away from maybe the rivalries. I disagree. I actually think it helps the rivalries because those games have so much more meaning now. 
Like, imagine the fact that the I don't know what it'll be limited to. I don't know if it'll be 12 games or, you know, nine games. Who knows, right? They just said they'll be pushed back the divisional games. Like, imagine those Brewers and Cubs games. Those almost become more intense. Because I think at some point you get sick of it. It's like, oh, my God, how many times have we played the fucking Reds? How many times have we played the Cubs, the Cardinals, right? Those games now suddenly, I think, have more meaning. I think they, they're more important. You appreciate them more. So I like I think that Cubs Cardinals will be a bigger deal. I think Yankees Red Sox will matter more, right? I think Dodgers Giants big ass fucking matchups instead of what we have now, where it's like oh it's another round of of this of this matchup. So I, I, I'm excited for it. I really think baseball did a pretty good job here. I I do like I have to give baseball credit. I think that this all works out and this all makes sense and very excited to see how it all comes together. I'll probably nerd out tomorrow. I'm home by myself. My wife's out and I'm going to probably nerd out and like map out what playoffs would have looked like with the 12 teams just to see, you know, how bad it it could get at some points with like 500 baseball teams. But I I will say this, if you're a bad baseball team, it's unlikely you're going to get hot with three games at the home stadium. So you know, the Brewers, right? Remember how bad that 2020 team was that made the playoffs, that eight game craziness. Um, and that Brewer team was terrible, right? Like that Brewer team in a full season would have probably only won like 70 some games. And they'd play in the playoffs for some, some reason. And they got their asses kicked uh, by the Dodgers. And I, I really do think that you would have had a lot more of that. You'll have a lot more of that with some of those teams who might be 500. I don't know if you're going to get a team kind of rising up and being this red hot team that, you know, makes it. But, you know, teams like the Mariners will have more opportunity here who have missed the playoffs forever, right? I think the Mariners have like a, gosh, I don't know. It's like a 20 year drought. Um, It's one of the longer droughts in all of professional sports. So they're going to have an opportunity. And they were a fun team last year. So I'm excited to get back to baseball. Um, I'm not excited to lose money on baseball. Uh, baseball is always a tough gambling sport for me, honestly, um, because it's just there's so much there. Um, it's just a lot of unpredictability. Um, it's I think everybody has a different strategy. Some people are like, oh, I want to bet. I, my rule of thumb has been, uh, and I, this is more recent. Actually, I don't know. I, I went back and forth. Oh, originally it was, if it, any favorite was above 150, I would just take the run line instead. So one and a half. But then I was like, I was sick of re- losing games where a team would only win by one. So then maybe I would take, you know, a first in or a six in or five inning run line. And then I, I think I brought it up to like 175. And then I started mapping out like how much additional money is this costing me and things like that. So I, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to play around with it. We'll see we'll see what I do. I'll update you guys, I'm sure, because um, I know you, you care about all of that. So let's move to the AMA. Um, this is already a longer podcast than I wanted it to be, but I asked for questions. You guys gave me questions, so I will answer them. So thank you. For those who sent in, much appreciated. Let's look at, see if we have any more right before I I start talking. We do not, that's okay. Do you think Aaron Rodgers will have spicy takes in the 2022-2023 season? It's a good question. I do not think so. Um, I actually think Aaron Rodgers is going to be pretty muted. I talked about that actually 
on yesterday's show uh, that I thought that Aaron Rodgers might take a step back a little bit. Um, I think that he'll still do the McAfee stuff, but I, I don't necessarily see the same sort of stuff with Aaron Rodgers, mostly because I think it's normalized here in our country. I realize that inflation's at an all-time high. I realize gas prices are crazy. I realize that it, it's a different time, but it's not, it's still like normal. You still can go out, you still can do your things. It's just, shit's a little more expensive. So I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to keep the spicy takes coming, but you never know. Uh, it certainly could be possible. If you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? It's a good question. Man, a lot of options. All right, let's let's lay out the options that I think would be more like me. And I would love to hear anyone else's opinion. Got I would golden retriever, lab, Saint Bernard. Um, throw that in the mix. Bernice Mountain Dog. Um, but I don't I don't know. I don't like snow that much. So I don't know if Bernice Mountain Dog works. Um, trying to think. I have to throw great Pyrenees in. Shout out to my dog, Lily, um, who is a pure collie mix or so we think. Um, I, I don't want to put myself in an Australian Shepherd. Um, they're not like a lumbering, a Ridgeback Retriever or whatever those those dogs are. I knew a girl who had one. Dog fucking smelled. It's a good dog, but he just, he stunk. So I don't know if I can put myself to be that kind of dog. Um, there'll be a few people who know what I'm talking about. Um, and... Shit, what else is there that I could put myself in? Has to be a big dog. Has to be part of the working group. I don't know if I'd say American Bulldog. I feel like American Bulldogs are like, they work with their hands. They're rugged. That that's And, and also too, they're, they're short hair. I have hair, like I'm not bald. Like I, the American Bulldog would be me trying too hard. My first thought when I heard this was my gut reaction was St. Bernard. And I don't know if I'm that big, but St. Bernard's kind of goofy. Um, they lumber around, they drool, they're a little sloppy. I'm can be sloppy at times, I'm hand up, admit it. So I, I'm my answer, final answer, St. Bernard. That's the type of dog I would be. Best St. Patrick's Day drunk story. Um, man, honestly, I think it was, I don't have that many. Uh, I haven't gone out on St. Patrick's Day a lot. I've always wanted to do like the 6 a.m. Like go get, you know, whether it be the Irish Triangle, whether it be McBob's, whether it be something else. Like I've always, I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I, I, I never have made it out there. And I'll be honest, and I'll just talk really quickly about this, not to ruin the vibe on a Friday, but I had a friend in college who died going out on St. Patrick's Day. It was the day before um, and he tragically died and it was due to drinking. And and I can talk more about this at some point, but St. Patrick's Day always is a weird one for me. I'm not gonna lie. But so that that's kind of where like for a long time, and this happened when I was 21. So for like three or four years, like I always thought of Kyle. Like I, I just did. Like I, so it was hard for me to get fired up for St. Patrick's Day. But my best story would probably be 2020. So right before COVID, um, everything's got canceled, um, and things are starting to get a little serious. It's starting to get a little worrisome. And I get a call from my buddy. He was like, "Hey, 
I want to go out. Like, let's go to Pato. Pato's still open. I was like, okay, sure. And I, 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 I think I told my wife a lie. I, I did um, because she doesn't like gambling. And I said, oh, we're just we're just gonna go do something um, because they, everything there's no sports. There's nothing going on. I might have said Pato. I don't remember. But anyways, played blackjack. I had just a fucking amazing day of blackjack. I've never been better at blackjack. I don't think I will ever replicate that one I had at blackjack. I won like $275 that day. It was absolutely incredible. Um, one of the best days of gambling of my life. And then we went out after and we went out to Harp and Harp was all like loaded for Irish and it was there was coming off the parade. It was that weekend, this same weekend. Um, and we were just kind of you know, ripped up, like day drinking, like COVID's not real, all this shit, a lot of bad takes flying around. And we just continued to drink, continued to drink. We went back out that night, went back to the harp, got ripped up that day. I mean, it was it was an all-day drink fest. I just got done with my first week of work um, after being unemployed for five, five months. So it, it, it just felt so normal. Like, I felt safe to be out there, weirdly, as fucked up as that sounds, because it's like... It's right before everything got real. And then I remember just doom scrolling and everybody talking about how serious this is and what's going on in New York. And I felt like such an asshole that I went out. And then literally halfway through Monday, my job says we gotta go home and you guys gotta go work from home. And that's where it all started, man. And then I was in my house and didn't go out, I think again until I think June or July. Um, we were pretty early to go back out with COVID, but it was uh, it took a while. So it's crazy. Um, and so I think I'll always remember that from a St. Patty's Day perspective. What Wisconsin athlete do you think would win in a cream puff eating contest? Good question. So it'd have to probably be a Packer. Um, I don't think you could put a baseball player or a basketball player into that cream puff eating conversation. Although Giannis has to eat a fuck ton. Giannis has to eat like a metric ton of food. All right. Like there is no way that Giannis doesn't eat a lot of food. And so I, I do have to wonder if Giannis would be a sneaky contender here. Um, my first initial thought was... TJ Shelton, uh, who I, I think I, or TJ Slayton. I do that all the fucking time. Mitch kills me on that. TJ Slayton, uh, the big D lineman for the Green Bay Packers. That was my first thought. Um, Slayton seems like a guy who could put down a lot of cream puffs. So I'm, my answer is Slayton. Um, but I would not sleep on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think David Bakhtiari would certainly be in that mix. Um, I would talk. I would think Royce Newman. I'm not a Royce Newman guy, but Royce Newman just seems like a guy who would pound cream puffs. Um, I think Robert Tunyon would be in the mix. I think Big Bob. You have to put in that cream puff mix. Um, who else would? Who else could maybe throw you throw in there? <sighs> nah, I wouldn't put Brook Lopez. I think Brook Lopez would hate cream puffs. Um, just seems like a guy who wouldn't really be into cream puffs. No real baseball. Oh, Vogelbach? Oh, man. Ah, Vogelbach. Shit. Is it Vogelbach? I think it's Vogelbach. I changed my answer. I'm going Vogelbach. It has to be Vogelbach. It's, it's Big Dan. Big Dan is, is your answer. Um, it's Vogelbach. He's, 
Hey, I'm glad. I'm, there are probably people screaming. Like, it's fucking Vogelbach, you asshole. So, yeah. At last question. Least favorite brewer of all time. Easy answer, Jose Hernandez. I fucking hated Jose Hernandez. Jose Hernandez was such a garbage baseball player. He was one of the worst baseball players that I have ever watched play for the Milwaukee Brewers. I could not stand Jose Hernandez. Now, part of it, I think, was due to my dad. Couldn't stand Jose Hernandez, so it was just a joint hatred. We despised him. He was an awful baseball player. He also was such a pussy because he was ready to set the strikeout record. He had struck out, and this was before like strikeouts were uh, like not a big deal, um, where strikeouts like were actually like uh, a real issue where people got mad about him. And Hernandez that year, I think had 166, and I think he only needed like one or two to break the record. Now that record I think has been shattered since, but they sat him out the last couple games so he wouldn't break the strikeout record. All-time ultimate bitch move by Jose Hernandez. And yeah, definitely my least favorite brewer. No no doubt about it. Um, Jose uh, is that top guy for me. Pitchers, I always didn't dislike Matt Wise. Um, I just, to throw a pitcher in there, I was at a game where Matt Wise blew a five-run lead to the Phillies. It was fucking awful. Um, just ruined my day. Um, and he's, he, oh, I also really hated Guillermo Moda. Um, Guillermo Moda, I actually put Moda over Wise. Moda sucked. You always hate relievers. I don't know why, but relievers, I think, drive you crazy. I think starting pitching pitchers can. Uh, Randy Wolf was a special kind of asshole because he was just so slow. And then I interviewed Randy Wolf when I worked at TMJ for a hot minute, and he was a dickhead. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so those those are least fair brewers, but Jose Hernandez is definitely number one. I That was an instant guttural reaction. All right, that was fun. I went a little too long on that, but we're going to definitely do that again. Um, and I'll ask it on more places than just Instagram. So we'll put that on Facebook. We'll definitely put it on Twitter. Um, I don't think we'll... TikTok does do a Q&A. Um, I know TikTok actually recommends to do it. Um, whatever. We'll, we'll try it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, definitely something we can go forward with uh, because I think this is a lot of fun. All right, take care, guys. Have a great Friday. Um, I will be out in Shoreland for a little while um, on sa- on Saturday. So if you're out in that area doing their block party, come say hi. Um, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, and we can link up, have a beer, talk a little sports, talk some Bucks, maybe some Badgers. I'm not, you know, not a Badger fan, but they could they likely will be playing Purdue. Um, not to jinx them, but likely. It's them and Purdue. Um, also Jenkinson Purdue because they have Penn State. Who knows? All right. That's it. Take care. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Or not. We'll not see you tomorrow. We'll see you Sunday night. We will uh, react to the brackets being out. Um, and, yeah, join our bracket pool, too. I got to promote that a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, join our bracket pool. Um, join, And we'll have prizes announced very soon. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.